Hey everyone, Mark and Steve here. Before we get started today, we want to let you know about Dare to Connect, our new online interactive video platform. For less than the cost of a therapy session, you and your spouse get live access to both of us three times a week. Each 30-minute live group support session provides interactive mentoring and healing for addicts, spouses, and couples. If you're loving our podcast and our unique style of bringing you recovery, you're going to love Dare to Connect. To learn more, go to daretoconnectnow.com. We're looking forward to seeing and working with you. Hey, everybody. I'm Steve Moore. And I'm Mark Castleman. We know the pain and heartbreak of porn and sex addiction. And we know the triumph of breaking completely free. Every day, we help our clients find hope and healing. Join us in the fight to take back your life, your marriage, and be stronger than ever. This is the PBSC Squared Podcast. Hey, everybody. Mark and Steve here. Welcome to the PBSC podcast. Good to be with you guys today. Uh, we've got a topic that we've uh, actually had uh, a submission from a listener a good while back um, about a problem that is not unique, but one that we haven't covered here in a while. As you guys can see from the title of the podcast, you know, the title that we're addressing today is what if my addict partner demands sex or, uh, so he can stay sober? Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, we keep our titles brief. What we're looking at here, we won't read through this for the sake of time today. But what we wanted to just kind of do is present you sort of a general problem based on what this listener submitted. We know that this is not uncommon for many of you couples that are listening, especially early on in this process, this journey of, of healing and recovery. And, and we know that both addicts and spouses can find themselves really trapped by dynamics like this. So essentially what we got was a submission from a listener who she started off by describing that, you know, the essential situation is she does have some chronic health problems that do affect and limit her physically in some ways. And she begins her message by essentially talking about how uh, due to her chronic illness, as well as the emotional issues tied to the addiction, she struggles to show up or want to show up sexually, right? Or, or even emotionally with her partner. Um, her partner, who, who does struggle with addiction by her admission, uh, essentially has come to her and more or less said that, you know, he needs to be having sex several times a week or else he is not going to stay sober and that she'll have to more or less kind of, you know, deal with the consequences or the fallout from that and has kind of taken the position that, hey, this, you know, I, you know, I, 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 I recognize that you're not feeling well or whatever, but at the end of the day, this needs to happen or else I'm not going to stay sober. And as the letter then continues, there are also, in addition to the sexual component, there are other examples that she gives where more or less uh, we have kind of a dynamic going on where the husband is essentially looking to his wife to uh, in many ways, kind of create an emotional framework to balance him out. Otherwise, she's going to be facing the consequences of, of uh, you know, that, that not being regulated. So, for example, her talking to friends and family when he's not around, he reports, you know, puts him in a place and makes him feel betrayed, no matter the nature of the conversation, just as if he relapses with her and things like that. And so, yeah, and she, and she said she tries to put up boundaries and express that she's hurt and asking mm-hmm. for his time, you know, for him to be patient. But he just he gets really ups, upset, even gets mean yeah. um, if she doesn't give in to his requests. 
Um, he says she, he sits and glares at her and then tells her that she's the one that's controlling. Uh, she's using her chronic illness to control him. Uh, he gives her the silent treatment. He gets irritable with their kids. Um, he'll trap her in a room and, and kind of talk at her for, she says, hours and hours at a time and not let her leave the room. So yeah, this is a, it's a, it's a pretty, pretty severe situation, but, but not unusual with a lot of the people that, that we work with. So let's, uh, yeah, let's tackle this. Yeah. Good. Lots of good stuff here to, to address and to look at. I think that, you know, there are multiple things that obviously play a role here, right? I mean, we clearly, at least from, well, while we're only hearing from the wife side of things, but clearly one thing that is going on here is definitely a lack of either precise and accurate or, or the holding of uh, creation and or holding of and maintaining of, of some good boundaries right? Between uh, the responsibility of really a whole bunch of things, but I guess starting right with, from the beginning with, with an addict and a partner, right? Just kind of in general, who's, who's parts of what part of this process are who's to own, right? right? That's the first thing that kind of comes to mind for me. Like who's responsible, for example, where does, where does ownership lie when it comes to his, his sobriety, right? When it comes to sexually, sexual maintenance, if quote unquote, it's kind of a, I don't know if I even like that term, but, you know, sexual maintenance, I don't have a better term for it in the relationship. Who's responsible for what? And and there's a clearly a disparity going on there. I mean, Mark and I, we talk about this oftentimes in our, you know, Dare to Connect program, you know, meeting with addicts, spouses and couples three times a week. We'd love to have you guys come check that out. Um, one of the premises that we operate from when we're working with couples, either in our offices or within that program as we talk all the time about, you know, the idea is at the end of the day, there are obvious, we say this with a grain of salt and Mark will talk about this for a second, but at the end of the day, you know, I, each individual within a relationship is responsible for their own emotional well-being, right? And even though my partner, obviously when I enter into a marriage, you know, one of the agreements that we make is that we're going to support each other where we can and where we're possible, but even, but there's a big difference between supporting one another Versus the part versus my partner taking ownership for my happiness, right, and owning that for me, and that applies, I would argue, in not just the emotional realm, but also largely in the sexual realm, right. Now there are obviously some outliers and circumstances where, you know, you know, when we're talking about sexual sobriety and long-term issues, especially around like chronic illness and things. Mark has some examples about this, where there are some exceptions to this rule. Uh, where you're going to have to maybe consider this and look at it from some different viewpoints due to the long-term nature of it. But I know that by and large, what we talk about is, you know, more or less, I am at the end of the day responsible for managing the emotions and finding ways to meet the needs uh, that I have in my life, be they physical or otherwise, while maintaining my own sobriety. Right? Yeah. As an addict in recovery, at the end of the day, that that falls to me. And we operate from that premise in our program. But as Mark and I were getting ready for this, and as he indicated, there are he's had some clients and things over the years where, you know, there are some unique cases where you really do have to look at this from kind of an outlier standpoint, too. Yeah, because what I hear about this this husband is he's, as you've said, attempting to transfer the ownership of his sobriety to his partner. Mm-hmm. And then he's using threats of acting out. Uh, or other emotional outbursts that he's having if his needs aren't met. Yeah. If you don't do X, Y, or Z, Hey, then this is just, you know, this is where this is going to go. This is how I'm going to be. Yep. You can't expect me to be any different. This is your fault. Right. You you hear all of that. And what that tells me is we've got a guy that is 
solidly in addiction. Yes. So I'm not hearing by what I'm, what's being described that he's in active recovery. Mm-hmm. That would be one of the very first things that we would say in this situation is this guy has got to get a support system that is, that is not fully dependent upon his wife. Correct. He, he's, he's placing all of this on her shoulders. He needs to get his own support system, his own recovery path and process in place. And especially if we've got, if we've, we've got this gal suffering with chronic illness, she doesn't need to have all of the rest of this heaped upon her. In addition yes. to what she's already, you know, struggling with or suffering with. Correct. No, absolutely. Because, because yeah, again, we're sensitive to this idea of long-term illness. You know, Mark has had, he was, ta- he was talking before the program. I know I've had something similar where I've had clients who deal with long-term disabilities or illnesses where, you know, the sexual relationship is made much more complicated by due to physical limitations. And that can be really hard and something that you can kind of deal with individually in therapy on those, you know, based on the circumstances but but regardless, in, in recognizing that this partner has a chronic illness, right, whether she had a chronic illness or not, or there were other things going on, every partnership that Mark and I work with, right, every marriage, for a variety of reasons, there are times where one or both partners are either not available or not inclined to engage sexually, right? And at the end of the day, for a relationship to function healthily, one partner can't be looking at the other and saying, hey, I have a sexual urge, you're not willing to take care of it, so I'm going to go do something that is betraying or betrayal oriented, right? To simply go meet that quote unquote need because you're not available immediately right now, right? There has to be an outside and internal support system where I am developing out the capacity to meet those needs, whether they're connection needs or emotional internal, you know, validation or satisfaction needs or whatever it is, right? There, there needs, I need to be developing actively out those resources to be able to rely on. So in order for sex to become, as we talk about on here all the time, right? Something that we choose to express with a partner to build rather than some as some baseline requirement for survival. Right. right? As long as, as long as sex is some sort of baseline requirement for survival, I would argue, and I think Mark, you'd back this up that, you know, whatever we're calling that, I don't think that that's in this email that we got from the subscriber. You know, it says it repeatedly that, you know, I'm not willing to engage in intimacy with him under those circumstances, I would argue that's not really intimacy, right? That's just sex. Sex is being used as a way to maintain something or keep moving along or go. It's, it's, it's more of a survival, like a need, as opposed to something that I can choose to express and, and engage with. Well, right? and one of the really difficult topics that we talk about on here, and I know that when we say this, there are, <laughs> I can just picture the guys out there just probably smashing their phone against the brick wall after we used this phrase. And I had a very difficult time for it with, uh, with this for a long time. Sex is optional. Yep. Sex is optional. Now I know that there's going to be upset people listening to this when they hear it, but, but let's, let's just step back and calm down for a minute and ask ourselves, why is that phrase so important? Why is it important that sex be optional? Mm-hmm. The reason is, is because when we turn sex into a need, I am needy. I must have this. I have to have this. I would submit, how is that any different from somebody who takes the same approach with a substance? I have to have my alcohol. I must have my cocaine. Sure. Right? I cannot live without my, you know, my marijuana. Is this any different? That was something I had to really face in my recovery that was a crazy difficult thing. So that's not the same at all. 
right? Sex is a, is a human need. Every guy has a need for sex. That's just healthy in the way it is. And I engaged in those arguments all the time. But what I finally came to grips with was if I keep approaching this sex from a neediness standpoint, it is always going to be something that controls me. It is in the driver's seat driving me instead of the other way around. And I got to the place where I wasn't willing to, to do that anymore. I got mm-hmm. sick and tired of having this need, right? This obsession, this, this absolute critical part of life that if I didn't get it, everything else, right, was, was going to go to hell. Mm-hmm. And I was going to punish everybody around me if I wasn't getting that aspect of my, my needs met. So this yes. neediness throws us into a very unhealthy place where we, we become dependent, and that really becomes the, the definition of addiction, something that I cannot do without. I will not go without. Or otherwise, here's all the consequences you people are going to face, right? Mm-hmm. And no, absolutely. It's a hard well, concept to get your arms around because you feel a lot of resistance when you hear that. You know, sex is optional. And we do have lots of other topics on that or other podcast episodes on that. And one thing we, we would say is, again, if you guys are feeling confused by that, DareToConnectNow.com, two-week free trial on our Dare to Connect program. We would love to have you join us over there. We could explain to you more about that. Uh, we've, we've said it many times in other podcast episodes as well. But, but yeah, I mean, really what we're looking at here, if we look at this overarching problem, right, is there we have to, situations like this, if you find yourself in a marriage this way, right, as we kind of wrap up here, if you find yourself in a marriage this way where, you know, there's more or less kind of an emotional hostage situation going on, mm-hmm. right, we have to change some of the fun, fundamental dynamics about that. Um, on a baseline level, as, as we, you know, our heart really goes out to this partner as we're reading through this email, because one thing, and, and maybe this spouse will be listening, or maybe a spouse who is in a similar an addict partner, or maybe you'll be listening to this and you're in a similar dynamic with your partner. If one partner in a relationship feels like a hostage, and if they are being treated like a hostage, and this is a, essentially an emotion, emotional hostage situation, one thing you are never going to find in a in a dynamic like that is authentic relation an authentic relationship or authentic real connection. No matter how much you may derive it, and you are talking to two guys who are experts at trying to use tactics like manipulation, hostage taking. I was really bad at this. I was good at it, which means I was really bad at it. But I was really good at doing this in my marriage. Right? As long as as long as we are approaching a relationship this way, or as long as this is present, you simply will never find the real kind of connection that you are looking for in your marriage. You're shooting yourself in the foot by pursuing it this way because connection never happens through pressure. It never mm-hmm. happens through being compelled or if, if a big, there's a big enough gun present, it's connections, always something that both partners have to consistently be in a situation and in a position to be able to freely choose. Well, and here's the big irony about this. If I am in a very needy situation where I'm demanding sex and a part of you know my brain is telling me that's how I'm going to be okay, that's how I'm going to be calm and in control and, and keep my addiction at bay if you meet my sex need. The problem with that is because it's demanding, because it's coercion, it, it's not going to be holistic, deep, intimate connection, which is what I really need at my deep core. So what's going to happen? 
the just pure sex to meet my temporary need is never going to satisfy me down deep, which then what's going to happen. I'm going to then feel empty after at some point after the sex and go back to it again and again and again and again, and it will never be able to deliver what I really truly need deep inside myself. Mm-hmm. So then it just becomes this obsessive compulsive cycle that I get stuck in. And I keep going back to the source, my wife, to give me sex, thinking it's going to be what solves it all. It can't. It never will. It will just become more. I'll become more dependent and more dependent and more demanding. And it's a never-ending cycle. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. There's there's simply nothing at the bottom of that barrel that is going to work. And so, I, you know, this is a big topic to cover. Obviously, we've got to wrap up here today. Um, we don't easily unravel you know, kind of very gray area situations like this, uh, you know, in one shot. But what I would say a good starting point, and Mark would love for you to add to this, if if you find yourself in the situation, whether regardless of what side of the coin you're on, if you're an addict and you suspect you might be possibly propagating some of this or vice versa, and, and you find yourself in this position, I think the first thing that needs to happen is there needs to be a real clear objective exa- examination about what what boundaries, what responsibilities, what, what, where, where do, where does the area of accountability lie on different topics like our sexual well-being in this relationship, right? Are we, are we exercising, are, is there any way in which we are setting ourselves up for failure in this way by trying to have our partner either implicitly or explicitly own something that they should not be owning, mm-hmm. right? And, and sometimes that can be tied deeply rooted in in you know basic foundational elements to the marriage that started kind of from day one, that may need reexamination. You know, you, you, if you are a couple, for example, out here, you would not be the first one, especially from a conservative religious background, which Mark and I both come from. We I've, we had a nickel, both of us, I think, for every time we had talked to a partner who had been told by someone well-meaning, more or less, "Hey, it's your job to sexually maintain your spouse." Uh, we we would have a good amount of money. <laughs> yeah. um, that's fairly, fairly common, sadly. Um, we know a lot of the reasons why people say that who are well-meaning and where a lot of the intention comes from, being conservative religious people ourselves. We can also unabashedly tell you, or at least I'll speak for myself, it's absolute nonsense and that never will work, ever. No. Um, and so you may have to really, you know, we really have to make take a foundational kind of look at that. You know, am I... Am I putting pressure on my spouse in some sort of way to maintain something that either A, they didn't ask for, or B, literally can't maintain, right? They literally can't do that for me. No one person's happiness should ever be the responsibility of another in a marriage yeah. or not. It just doesn't, it, life simply does not work that way. And well, and, so, for, and for both of these individuals, so if, so if, there, if there are guys struggling that are listening to this podcast right now, I cannot invite you more. I mean, I, I wish I could reach out and just grab hold of you. <laughs> All Gosh, of you okay, say, right. If you are in this place, please do not stay in your own head. Yes. Right. A guy who's needy sexually, who's involved with sexual addiction type stuff with this guy, which this guy is, you cannot stay in your own head and think that this is going to be solved. What do we say in early in early addiction recovery? My very best thinking is what landed me in this chair in this recovery process, right? My very best thinking that I thought was just so brilliant and I was right and there was no other way. You guys have got to get out of your head and dare 
to enter into some system where you can bounce stuff off of people who've been down the path further than you. Just open yourself for a second and say, you know what, I'm going to bounce this off of some people that really come from a place where they know what they're talking about. Is this healthy? I'm going to describe what I'm demanding of my wife. What do you guys think? You've been through this, right? You've, you've, you've got to open yourself to an outside vantage point that's not just the narrow confines of your own head. You're mm-hmm. never going to solve this from this place. And even if you're kind of feeling resistant towards the whole, I'm an addict and need recovery, approach this from your relationship standpoint. Is this the relationship you want? Do you enjoy yeah. this, this, this conflict and, and all, of, you know, all of these arguments and all of these, this, this uh, negative energy and all of this hurt? Is that really what you want? I would suspect no. And so there's, there's, you've got to get to the place where I wonder if there's a better way and opening yourself to that and just plugging into something like 12-step like some sort of support group or system where you can talk to people that's not your own brain. Absolutely. No, but 100% agree. 100% agree. Guys, as always, we, we love and appreciate you having us here. Uh, again, if you would like to check us out and, and spend more time with us on a more deep interactive level, we'd love to get Ron real with you three times a week. We're actually on the verge of kind of launching a more expanded version of Dare to Connect here in the next couple of months. And we'd love to talk to you more about that. Uh, would love to have you come check us out for two weeks free at daretoconnectnow.com. Please do get us your questions as well. We hope you're enjoying your summer, but we know that recovery continues through the summer, whether it's, fun, you know, despite all the fun. So please <laughs> head over to pbscpodcast.com. Shoot us your questions, your concerns. We talk about anything and everything related to sex, addiction, and anything in between here. Mark and I, if you haven't figured it out already, are to a fault, open books on this stuff. So <laughs> let us know what we can uh, bring to the table for you. We, we care about you. We think about you often. We appreciate you being here and we hope you have a great week. Yeah. We'll see you next time on PBSE. Bye-bye. Everything expressed on the PBSE podcast are the opinions of the hosts and the participants and is for informational and educational purposes only. This podcast should not be considered mental health therapy or as a substitute thereof. It is strongly recommended that you seek out the clinical guidance of an individual qualified mental health professional. If you're experiencing thoughts of suicide, self-harm, or a desire to harm others, please dial 911 or go to your nearest emergency room.